We've been sharing with you over the past few weeks on what happens when we pray. And you should have gotten a, a, a sermon note outline for today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the words of our mouth and the content of our heart. Everybody say the words of my mouth and the content of my heart. Say both of those are significantly important in me receiving answers to my prayers. Glory to God. Hebrews, the third chapter. And I'm going to read from the King James version of the scripture. Hebrews chapter number three. And we'll begin our reading at verse number one. As a matter of fact, that's the only verse I want to read here. Uh, the text says, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly caller, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Let's read it out loud on purpose. Everybody read Let's, let's go. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession or our confession, Christ Jesus. This text right here, the author says that Jesus Christ is the apostle and an apostle is what? A sent one. And he's the high priest. The high priest is one who, who, who represents man to God and he also represents God to man. And so the high, he's the apostle, Jesus is the high apostle and the high priest of our profession or of our confession. Now we know that prayer is the avenue that God gave each one of us to interface with him. Can I get a witness? The Bible says men ought to always pray and what? Not faint, not to lose heart. The Bible says we ought to pray without what? Ceasing. Is that correct? And so as we are praying without ceasing and as we are, 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 are going before the Lord and, and coming to him in, in our own uh, way, God wants us to, to have an understanding about how that process truly works and how significant the words of our mouth are and how significant the content of our hearts are. Because if our words and our hearts are not right, it causes a disconnection, amen, in God being able to answer our prayers. Are y'all listening to me today? And so as we look at this thing, we, we, I want you to uh, turn with me and, and we're going to go uh, to the book of 1 Samuel and take a look at David here and this, the familiar story of David and Goliath. We'll go to 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. But while we're turning there, uh, I, I pray that each one of us we remember what we talked about. We said that, you remember we started this series, we said that God made man in his image and his likeness, right? And he made man in his image to create, to cultivate, and develop this world that he's placed us in. Do you all recall that? And we said that one of the things that we got to realize that, uh, that the words of our mouth begin with our thinking and how our thinking will uh, affect what we say with our mouths. And so, we also understood that our five senses affect our thinking, right? We also understood that, that the devil can affect our thinking, right? And we also said, number three, God can affect our thinking. Those three things, what, our, what, our five senses? Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Look at me, look at me, here we go. Say, our five senses, the devil, or God. Say it again, say, our five senses, the devil, or God. See, we have to discern who's talking to us, who's affecting our thinking, because a lot of us are affected and we are we're moved by our upbringing, our family heritage and, and those things that end up affecting our five senses. Right. And so when our faults begin to come, the Bible says we got to bring every fault into captivity unto the what? Obedience of Christ. So what we're going to do, every time a fault comes to our mind, i got to discern, is this me? Huh? Is it the devil or is it God? Me, which means my five senses, the devil or is it God? Because what I think is going to ultimately affect what I say. Are you listening to me today? What we think will ultimately affect what we say. 
So we got to make sure that we get on point and, and, and be able to discern that, and, and understand that, that if, if what I think affects what I say, then praying is about saying, if my thinking is wrong, guess what? My praying will be wrong. And if my praying is wrong, then the words of my mouth and the content of my heart will not be in line with God's will. And if, my, if the words of my mouth and the content of my heart are not in line with God's will, then I won't see success in my prayer life. Can I get a witness? Everybody say, get your mouth right. Everybody say, get your heart right. Glory to God. We got to do those things because our mind, I told you, is like a computer. It got to be, re- it has to be reprogrammed. Because a lot of us have influences uh, that, have, that have affected us over the years that are not necessarily positive influences. So we got to reprogram our thinking. So get back here. We talk about the words of our mouth and, and talk about the things that, 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 that affect that, our thinking primarily. Let's look at David, amen, because we got to realize that there are strongholds, there are thoughts, there are strongholds, there are thoughts, imagination, strongholds that have to be dealt with in our individual lives. Are, you, are y'all tracking with me again? We, we, we got to deal with it because strongholds of ways of thinking have been built up and cultivated over the years and they're stuck there. And God says, I got to get you out of you and I got to get you into me because we're supposed to be transformed into the express image of God's dear son. And see, we got to stop being the best me that we can be. I, I understand what people are saying. I'm being the best me. I'm living my best life. Well, you're not living your best life if God is not at the head of your life. You may be living a good life, but it ain't your best life. The, only, the best life comes when Jesus is not only your Savior, but he's your what? Lord. That means he's directing your footsteps. He's involved in your decision making. He's involved in how you spend your money. He's involved in how you relate to people who you're in relationship with. He is the Lord of your life. Can I get a witness? So as we look at 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, let's, let's, let's walk here uh, just for a second and See if we can see some things that can help us, amen, to begin to get to the point to where we uh, we govern the words of our mouth, amen, and, and, and evaluate the content of our heart. Now, the text says this, uh, if you will, let's look at let's go to go to go to verse number. Verse number four, start at verse number four, glory to God. Verse number four of first Samuel chapter number 17. And we're going to back up and get some context for this, right? And we start, it says, then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Everybody says a tall man. He wore a bronze helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed, what, 125 pounds. He had 125 pounds of stuff on top of him. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as, as heavy and thick as a weapon, as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the, to the Israelites. Why are y'all coming out to fight? I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. The text says this, if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I, if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Come on, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. Man talking tough, isn't it? When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were what? They were terrified and they were what? They were deeply shaken. In other words, they were scared. Have you all ever been afraid before? Come on, let's be honest. Have you all had situations that rose up in your life, whether it's a health situation, whether it was a monetary situation, whether it was a situation in your job, whatever, you became afraid. Fear rose up in your heart and caused you, amen, or me, not to be able to focus on the true and the living God. Has that ever happened to you? Amen. Where you felt like, amen, you, you, you didn't know what to do because let me tell you something, guys. When fear overtakes us, not that fear won't ever come to a believer's life, but when fear begins to dominate your thinking, that fear has a way of pushing out faith in your life. Because, guys, faith and fear cannot coexist in the same heart. If fear gets out of your head, down into your heart, then it's going to push faith out. Can I get a witness? 
And you can tell when fear has moved from your head to your heart because you begin to speak fear-filled words rather than faith-filled words. Are y'all tracking today? So the text says when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and they were what? They were deeply shaken. Now, all of us uh, through the years, of, if you've been in church for any prolonged period of time, you've heard the story of David and Goliath, right? Um, this story uh, is one that even our little ones learn in Sunday school. But I, I don't want you to look at this as just a cartoon story because this is historical fact that David, amen, slew Goliath the giant. This is a historical fact that the Philistine army came against God's people. But what we got to realize is that through this message and through this story, we can learn some things about prayer. We can learn some things about uh, uh, the, the, the words of our mouth and the content of our heart and how each one of those, when they're lined up properly, then they can give us victory in the face of overwhelming odds. They can give us victory, amen, when we are facing things that cause fear to begin to rise up against us. In this passage, we see that the giant Goliath, if you read the rest of this text, and I, we're going to skip through here and we're going to read parts of this, but uh, Goliath will come out every day and speak words. Every day he would come out and say something, right? He was, he was able to put fear into the armies of God with his words, Go to the King James Version uh, of this passage. In verse, go back to verse number 10 right quick. Verse 10 and 11. We're going to look at 10 and 11 from the KJV. It says, well, and the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. Verse 11, he says what? When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed. And they were what? Greatly afraid. That means they, they, they were discombobulated. They, 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 they didn't know what they were going to do because fear had penetrated their hearts. Now, in this scenario, guys, God needed a man who was filled with his word to go against Goliath. But there was none there, not even King Saul at this at this battlefield right here. Amen. So 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 God didn't have a man there because it says everybody was scared, right? Come on, the, the giant came out and began to speak words. He said, I defy the armies of the living God. He was saying, how many of y'all remember, uh, you know, it, uh, maybe when you were in, in your high school days when, when uh, people would begin to, uh, to uh, gather around and, and somebody invariably during high school got into a fight. How many of y'all have observed a fight in high school before? Hopefully you were not the fighters. <laughs> Do I have some of you mean fighters that have been in? But invariably what would happen is people would begin to speak and they would say something. And this would even happen, you know, uh, I don't know, how many of y'all remember, um, how many of y'all used to watch Mid-South Wrestling or WWE or WWF? Now, now th- those of us who, who now understand that that's a performance that's been put on, but w- when I was growing up, we didn't think that that was, that was a performance. We thought that it was the real deal. And it was, it, was, it was always amazing to me the way that people would get in front of that microphone and talk noise. Right? They would say what they're going to do. And, and, and if you're not careful, guys, what will happen in your own life, just like a WWD or Mid-South Wrestling, the words of the enemy will produce fear in your heart if you're not grounded in your word. And even in the boxing world, I met, you know, the, 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 some of y'all remember Muhammad Ali and the Joe Frazier, smoking Joe Frazier. Y'all remember smoking Joe, right? The, the thriller in Manila. How many of y'all remember that, that epic battle? Okay. Uh, those boxers would, would, would talk about what they were going to do. And I, and I got to give Ali credit. Ali would, would say what he's going to do to you. And, and most of the time he would back it up in the ring, right? Such that if you back it up enough, then people will start being fearful about what you can do because they've seen what you've done in the past. And the enemy will try to do the very same thing. He'll, he'll show you how he disrupted somebody else's life, and then he'll come at you and tell you, I'm going to do the same thing to you. You saw your mom and your daddy struggle, so he says, you're going to struggle financially too. 
But now you got some new information, amen. Maybe mom and daddy didn't know how to tithe and give offerings. Maybe mom and daddy wasn't taught how to trust God even in the midst of trying times. But now you know, you got word. You know that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You understand that you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who loves you. You're getting taught that word. And that word is getting down in your spirit such that when the enemy comes and starts saying stuff, you can begin to speak faith-filled words rather than words of fear. Can I get a witness? So God needed a man who was filled with his word to go against Goliath. Amen. And God moved upon Jesse to send his son David to check on his old his, his other his other sons who were at the at the battlefield at that time in Saul's army. Let's go back to 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 first Samuel 16 because before David gets to this position to where he's facing the giant, David is anointed by God to be the next king of Israel. And the amazing thing about me, when I look at David here, his predicament here, even though he was anointed to be the next king, he still, amen, was serving as a shepherd boy, watching the sheep. Even though he was anointed, amen, to be God's, amen, man over all the nation, he was still faithful in serving and, and keeping the sheep. See, there are times, guys, when God will anoint you for a task, but, but, but the fulfillment of that anointing for that task will not take place right now. So what do you do when you know you're anointed for something and God's going to get you there, but you're not there yet? Keep doing what you've been doing. Most of us sit around trying to wait, figure out where am I going to be on the next level? And God said, just be faithful where you are right now. If I've anointed you to be there, I'll get you there. But you remain faithful to your calling right where you are. Go back to 1 Samuel 16 chapter, because I'm going to take a look at David right quick, because I think it's real important for us to get some understanding. First thing I want you to look at in your outline is, number one, God chose David. Everybody say, God chose David. He chose him. Amen. He chose David. Now, had that been an election <laughs> held in Israel to choose a replacement for Saul, because we know when we read the scripture text that, that, that Saul had gotten off course. Saul put himself in a position to try to do something he was not anointed or assigned to do. And you all, I don't have time to go back and you read the story. He, he, he disqualified himself because he stepped into a place that he did not belong. Can I get a witness? He stepped into a place uh, that was reserved for a, a particular lineage of people who were serving as high priest. He stepped into a place to offer sacrifices and God didn't assign him to do that. One thing I've learned, guys, in my life is, is to stay in the place that God has planted me until he takes me to another place and plant me there. Can I get a witness? I've, I've learned not to be over-anxious about anything. Amen. But, 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 to, but to, to solidly plant myself where God know God has told me to be. So look, look, look at 1 Samuel 16 with me right quick. Let, let's start at verse number, number one, if you will. Come on. God chose David. And we're going to see God chose him to, to go to the battlefield. And, and, and here's, the, here's the key thing about it, guys. God has a way of orchestrating our circumstances to get us to the place that we need to be. It's amazing. Again, some of y'all are here in this church uh, by, by situations and circumstances that you probably never would have dreamed would have brought you to Benton, Louisiana to be in a church pastored by a guy by the name of Doyle Adams Sr., you never would have thought that, amen. But somehow, some way, God got you here. Somehow, some way, God planted you here in Benton, Louisiana for such a time as this. He has you here to utilize you in the advancement of kingdom principles here in Benton, Louisiana and beyond. Can I get a witness? The text says this, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how long without mourn for Saul? seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill thine horn with, with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Y'all know this story, right? Now, now, now understand this. Before we get to this point here, let's go back to the 8th chapter of, of 1 Samuel and see what took place because we were in the period of the judges and you all that studied that book with us know that that, that there was a, a period of time where judges uh, were in charge of Israel. 
And uh, because God's people would go astray and stop following God. And then God, you know, a ju- God would raise up a judge who would who would who would lead them out of out of their uh, of their, their waywardness and their messiness and their captivity. And then they would do right. Amen. Then the judge would die. And then not soon after the judge would die, then they would go back to doing things the way they've always done it. Kind of like some of us. Right. When 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 we God brings us out or when we're in a certain situation or predicament, we'll tell God, Lord, if you will just deliver me, I'll serve you all the days of my life. God, if you will just get me out of this situation, this circumstance, I'm going to serve you all day. And then for two or three weeks, we do good, maybe two or three months, maybe even six months. And then all of a sudden we start fading back to those old habits because I'm going to tell you something. Deliverance won't necessarily equal total freedom for you until you allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life rather than just your savior. Can I get a witness? So, so, so in that period of the judges, we see something happening in first Samuel, the eighth chapter, look Verse number one, read with me right quick. The Bible says, and it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now, here's bad leadership, y'all. Now, the name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but did what? Turned aside after lucre and took bribes. And perverted judgment. They turned aside. They turned aside after Luke. They they turned aside after money. Took bribes. And perverted judgment. And the text says in the next verse. Let's read. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together. And came to Samuel unto Ramah. Look at what they said. And said unto him. Behold thou art old. And your sons walk not in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. In other words, we want to be like everybody else. Let's, you know, now, now granted, they had bad leadership, but bad leadership was, no, was not a, it shouldn't have been a precursor to, to going outside of God's will for that nation at that time. But they started looking around at what other people had and decided they want the same thing that other folks had, that other nations had. Listen, child of God, hear me very carefully. It is critically important that you stop looking at other people. What they have, what they're doing, and focus on your own self and what God wants to do in your own life. Many of us get ourselves in a financial bind because we look at what other people have and say, well, they got it, I want it too. Well, baby, right now you can't afford a new car. Get you a, a, a low mileage used car. Hello? Or if you can't, maybe you can't afford a low, low mileage used car, get you one that's got maybe 100,000 miles on it that's, that's, that you, a mechanic checks out for you and it does good until you can do better. Hello? Because you went out and got something because somebody, now listen, hey listen, you, you, God don't have a problem with you having new, he sure does. All I'm saying is before you do that, make sure you're not doing that because you're looking at somebody else. Hello? Make sure you're doing that because, amen, it's something that, that, that God has allowed you to do. You prayed about it and you got a release on it, not because you saw somebody else. And many churches do the very same thing. They'll start mapping and start doing stuff that they see somebody else doing. Well, maybe it's effective for them, but it can't, it may not, maybe not, it's not effective for us. Okay? So let's go back to 1 Samuel 8, chapter, verse number 5. Watch this. And, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and our sons walk not in our ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Watch this. Next verse says what? But the thing displeased Samuel when they said this, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. The text says, and the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. Watch this. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected what? God says, listen, you're my representative. They're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting me. That's critical because what a lot of us get into trouble, it, uh, what, what, what makes a lot of us afraid is, is that we're afraid of rejection when it comes to speaking what God has told us to speak to our family members, to other church members. And we think that they're rejecting us. Many of you are all afraid to witness because you're afraid that people are going to reject you. But it's not you that they're rejecting. It's the God in you. 
As a pastor, I learned that a long time ago, and it stops a whole lot of frustration. When y'all don't act right, I tell God on y'all. I do. I say, God, them your people. They're your sheep. I'm just an under-shepherd. Lord, I don't know why they won't come to Bible class. I mean, you, you, you know, Lord. Lord, I don't know why uh, uh, they won't support the work of ministry, but you know, God. And Lord, I turn them over to you. I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep sharing with them, Lord. And Lord, when they, when, when, when they won't listen to what I say, Lord, I realize they're not rejecting me, but they're rejecting you. Because I'm your representative here in the earth realm. I've been called to shepherd this flock at EBC. I haven't been called to shepherd Great New Zion. I haven't been called to shepherd First Baptist Bossier. I've been called to shepherd EBC. And what they do at Word of God, what they do at Galilee, what they do at, 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 at uh, Friendship, amen, that they got to do what God has told them to do. But I've been called to shepherd this flock here. And so when y'all, when y'all, when y'all, when y'all get a little bit off course, you know what, I pray for you, I, I do, and I love you like, 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 like I should love you as a pastor. But you know what? I don't lose sleep over you. Are y'all with me? I love y'all, but I don't lose sleep over you. I love y'all. But I'm, and I'm going to still preach the word to you. And it may sound like a broken record, but I'm going to keep sharing with you because that's what God called me to do. Text says, and the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken, not, hearken, hearken to the voice of the people, and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Some people aren't interested in letting Jesus be Lord of their life. They want him to be Savior, but not Lord. In other words, they don't want to go to hell. They got enough sense not to go to hell, but they don't want Jesus to be Lord of their life. They don't want Jesus in the middle of their business, because after all, they just want to do me. I'm being the best me that I can be. No, let Jesus come in and let him be Lord of your life. All right, now get back, get back to 1 Samuel. I got I to I keep moving. Are y'all still with me? So, so God, cho- we're going to see here in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, that God chose David. Everybody say God chose David. The text says here uh, in, in, in 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter, uh, he says, and the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Feel thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he'll kill me. Saul was a very, Saul was, if, if you know the story, you, you see it later on, uh, even as he chased David and tried to kill him. Because he, he was a very insecure individual. People that are insecure always Look, you know, thinking you got an ulterior motive. And David was the one that we're going to see who, who spoke faith-filled words and slew the giant. And, and, and David became a warrior so much so that, that whenever they came back from victory, the, the, the ladies were beating their tamarines and they was beginning to sing, Saul, let's kill this thousand. But David killed 10,000. Saul, let's kill this thousand. But David killed his 10,000. And Saul, being insecure, became jealous and sought to take David out time and time again. But we'll see that God's anointed man, even when he had a chance to take him out, it wasn't time. He wasn't going to touch God's anointing. He let God handle his own, his own man, okay? So the text says, watch this, look at this. In verse number three, it says, And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee. And say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord and call just to the sacrifice and I will show thee what thou shalt do and thou shalt anoint un- unto me him whom I name unto thee. So what, what, what's happening here? Saul, uh, Samson, I'm not, Samuel knows that Saul was very, uh, uh, um, a very meticulous type person and very insecure. And he had to, the, the pathway to Jesse's house went past Saul's headquarters. And he knew that by going past Saul's headquarters, Saul was going to want to know where you're going. Who you're going, what, what are you going to do? What's your business? So God said, tell him you're going to, you're going to offer sacrifice. Now watch the text here. Are y'all still with me? The, the Bible says this, and Samuel did that which the Lord spake. Everybody know, how many of y'all know it's a good idea to do that which the Lord speaks? And came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peacefully? 
They thought he was coming to start war. And he said, peaceably, I'm coming to sacrifice the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Now, again, God is setting up, amen, the situation where he can choose his man, his next anointed king of Israel. The one who we know by looking back at scripture was the keeper of the sheep. The text says, and it came to pass when they were come that, they, that he looked on Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Is that what he said? He says, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And the text says in, in the next verse is what? But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance on the height of his stature because I have refused him. This is key for the Lord see it, not as man see it. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks where? On the heart. The Lord looks on the heart. Now, again, as we get into this, this passage right here and we move into David's battle with Goliath, some things that we got, need to consider about this unusual young man by the name of David. First of all, David's city was Bethlehem. That's something significant about that. In spite of the fact that, that, that Bethlehem was a small town, guys, in Judah, Bethlehem was well known, it was a, it was well known amongst Jewish people. It was, it, was, it was when Jacob and his family were on their way to Bethel that his favorite wife, Rachel, died near Bethlehem while giving birth to, to Benjamin, one of her sons, the youngest son. It was in Bethlehem that Ruth, the widow from Moab, found her husband, Boaz. And y'all probably heard people say, well, I'm looking for my Boaz. Your Boaz was a, was a godly man, and Ruth, who was widowed, was looking for somebody to, to hook up with. And y'all know the story of Ruth and Naomi, correct? Correct. But, but Ruth found her husband, a man, in Bethlehem. Some of y'all are looking for a husband. Any single ladies in the house looking for a husband? Oh, y'all don't want to admit it. Listen, some, sometimes we are looking for our husband. We're looking for our boys in the wrong place. Don't, don't look for your boys in the club. Hello. Don't look for your boys, amen, uh, 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 in, the, in the wrong place. Bethlehem is where Ruth found her boys. David himself ended up making Bethlehem a famous place. And we know who was born in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, the Son of David, amen, who, 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 was, who was born in this earth realm to save the world from their sins. So Bethlehem in and of itself was a significant place. As a matter of fact, the name Bethlehem means house of bread. Everybody say house of bread. And it was there that the living bread from heaven came to dwell among human flesh. So Bethlehem, where David was from, was a very significant place in Jewish culture, in Jewish history, and amongst the Jewish people. Amen. So as we look at this, David's family was also very significant. As we look at this right quick, David, amen, had a, had a lot. David was a part of a large family. And ultimately, David ended up being the eighth of, 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 of Jesse's, uh, he was a, the, the eighth son of Jesse's uh, 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 son that he birthed into the earth ran. Now, uh, when you look at this thing, the text says here that for the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So Jesse continued to call all of these guys, all of these boys, amen, uh, in front of Samuel so that Samuel could take a look at them. Now, one thing I, I got to, I got to mention to you, Samuel had made a mistake previously by looking at Saul and his statue and making a judgment determination based off of that. Because they, they had asked for a king and, and like the other nations and God said, go on, give them what they asked for. It's a bad thing when God gives you what you ask for when you turn your heart away from him. Sometimes when we keep on doing what we're doing anyway, anyhow, keep rejecting God, God says, okay, I'm going to turn you over to your reprobate mind. I'm going to let you have what you think you want. How many of y'all, God has given you what you thought you wanted, and once you got what you thought you wanted, you realize you didn't want what you thought you wanted? Anybody in the house? Some of y'all thought you wanted that man. You, you cried for that man. You, you basically begged him to marry you, and now that you got him. You thought you wanted until you got what you wanted and realized what you wanted wasn't what you thought. Can I get a witness? They thought they wanted a king. 
And then God, God just said, okay, all right, since y'all insist on doing it your way, I'm going to let you do it your way. Guys, don't ever get yourself in a position to where you, you, you reject God so much that God says, I'm going to turn you over to your own reprobate mind. It's a bad place to be in. Come on, it's a bad place to be in. Because after a period of time, guys, listen, God will, God will never make you do his will. He tells you to love your enemies. He ain't going to make you love your enemies. But when you got him on the inside of you, your love will transcend your enemies, uh, what the enemies done to you. God will even have you loving folks who you know talking about you. But you can't do it in your own strength. And if you try to do it in your own strength, you're going to get messed up. Amen? Are y'all still with me? So David's family here, David, David had, had, had a very full family that he came out of, but watch the text here, okay? Then Jesse called Abinadad, verse, verse 8, and made him pastor for Samuel, and he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. Seven of them, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? Is this everybody? Watch this. And he said, Now, to me, it's very, it's, it's very telling here that, that uh, when, when they were called together uh, for the anointing and everything in the ceremony, they didn't call David. How many of y'all know sometimes we may be over in the corner somewhere. Sometimes we may be out, out in the wood tending the sheep and people may forget about us or forget about you. But people may forget about you, but long as you know God didn't forget about you, you keep doing what you're doing. Because God knows exactly where you are. You don't have to try to, hey, look at me. Hey, I'm going to the next level. Hey, I want to be the next king. Hey, look at me. I'm talented. I'm gifted. Forget that. Do what you've been doing and God will make a way for you. Seven sons came before him. He says, is, 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 this, is this all you got? Because the Lord had not chosen any of them. And he said, there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. Now watch this. David is the eighth son. And, and when you look at biblical numerology, uh, number seven is the number of completion, but eight is the number of new beginnings. Watch this. Number of new beginnings. And Samuel said unto Jesse, send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. And the text says, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. In other words, David was a good looking brother. Can I say it again? David was a good looking brother. Verse 12 from the NRT says, so Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. That's what it said. Dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. Are y'all watching? Are y'all with me? Watch this. Watch this. The next verse, verse 13. Let's read. No, back up. Back up. I'm sorry. Verse 12. Verse 12 says what? So Jesse said to him, he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said what? This is the one. Anoint him. Listen, you may not be the one that people are looking at. You may not be the one who who you who who, uh, who who people think are kingly or whatever, but but just flow where God has placed you, and if God has anointed you to do a certain thing, He'll make sure you get picked out. Are y'all tracking with me today? And guys, listen, I, I like what, what 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 God says here through, through His man of God. He says He says, for the Lord says. God told Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh what? On the heart. Now listen, hear me carefully. What he's saying here is, is that, that true enough, David was handsome. True enough, he was dark and handsome and good looking, had beautiful eyes. But that's what, that wasn't the reason why he was chosen. Can I get a witness? And, and you all, when you go in, in, in choosing anything, don't just look at the glamour on the outside. Don't look at the, at the height of, of, of a man's statue. 
Don't look at the at, 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 at how pretty his eyes may be. Don't look at how strong and fine he may be. Amen. But look at his heart. See where he's coming from on the inside. Amen. Guys, when you're looking at a lady, don't just choose her because she's finer than wine. Don't just choose her because she's 36, 24, 36, brick housing. Don't choose her just because, and that's okay if she's that way. But you got to look at her heart because people can look good on the outside but be nasty on the inside. And listen, that beauty will fade after a period of time. You'll get tired of looking at the beauty when there's hell on the inside. And pretty soon they start looking ugly on the outside because they're ugly on the inside. Ugly has a way of transporting itself. But y'all know that? Ugly will come from the inside and get to the outside. So the person you thought was pretty on the outside and now, now it becomes ugly on the outside. God looks at the heart. Now let's get back. So, 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 so God chose David. David was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. Uh, he was a shepherd boy tending to the sheep. Amen. And, and, and one thing about this, I think that David learns in, 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 as, as we continue to move here. You know, sheep are a, a very uh, unique animals because uh, you can't drive sheep. You got to lead sheep. You can drive cattle. Y'all, how many of y'all remember some of the old Western where they had a cattle drive going on? And, and, and those guys get on the horses and they would drive the cattle into the, you know, to where they were taking them to them into the, into the cattle gap or whatever. Uh, uh, and so they would drive the cattle. But you can't drive sheep. If you drive sheep, they, they'll scatter. You got to lead sheep. Can I get a witness? The shepherd has to know his sheep individually and love them and take care of them according to their needs. Amen. And so, so David, David was exactly the kind of leader that Israel needed to repair all the damage that Saul had done to the nation. Amen. And so David, here he is, tending his sheep, doing what, what, what he's been assigned to do, and he gets called by God. I want to tell you something. God calls people who are busy, not people who are looking for ways to avoid responsibility. Can I say that again? God calls people who are busy doing work rather than calling folks who are looking for ways to avoid responsibility and avoid work. Can I get a witness? Moses, a man, was busy doing what he was doing. Gideon was busy doing what he was doing. Elisha was busy doing what he was doing. Nehemiah, busy doing what he was doing. Amos, doing what he was doing. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Mark, Matthew, all those guys were engaged in doing things and they were called by God. So David was chosen by God. Amen. He was chosen. Next, next thing we, we know, number two, God prepared David. Everybody say preparation is critically important. Say it again. Say preparation is critically important. Now, now watch this in verse number 14. Skip down with me. God prepared David. Uh, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and the evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, behold, now an evil spirit from the God that troubled him. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon that upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Provide me a man that can play well and bring him to me. The text says, this, then, uh, then answered one of the servants and said, behold, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters and comely person. And the Lord is what? With him. It's, it's, it's amazing to me that God keeps on. When he says comely person here, that means he was an attractive person. It's amazing that the scripture makes a, a significant note to let us know that David was an attractive dude. I don't know why. I think he, I think he did that so that we can realize that even though he was attractive on the outside, that's not why God chose him. I, I, that keeps resonating in my spirit because some of us choose stuff because it's the most attractive thing to us. Some people choose ministries because they got flash and it, and it's, it is big or it's, uh, it, they have this going, they have this program. Listen, when you choose in the church, be spirit led and don't choose a church like you choose a house. Well, I want a church that got this, 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 and that. All right. Okay, fine. We, that's good. But maybe if, maybe that church doesn't have that program, but 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 it's where the Holy Spirit is telling you to go. 
And maybe he's telling you to go there so you can help start that program that you're looking for. But if you choose a church like you choosing a new car with everything you want in it, you'll miss God. Because God don't necessarily place us in places that are the most attractive for us. Some of y'all are working in environments that's not the most attractive environment for you. You're trying to leave, but God said, no, 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 I got to keep you right there. I got you right there because I need you there to minister to people. And also I need you there so I can work on you. You're trying to leave, but God said, no, you ain't going nowhere. There's some stuff in you I got to get out of you. And that's the place that's going to get it out of you. That place is going to keep you praying. If you leave there, you will stop praying. I need you to stay right there so, so, so you can, yeah, yeah, yeah. You try to leave, God said, nope, nope, nope. There's some stuff in you that's got to come out. You stand right there. May not be the most attractive place, but that's where God has you planted. God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where you are. And you've been praying, Lord, please. Deliver me. God said, nope. Because there's some stuff, you, there's some blind spots you got. You don't even see. Everybody else see them, but you don't see them. So I get those blind spots out of you. And then once they out, then I'll release you to leave. Guys, listen to me very carefully. He was an attractive person. And look at this last sentence. And the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Glory to God. So, 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 so God prepared him. The Lord was with him. You know, David, David, David's time uh, herding sheep was getting him ready for his ultimate position of leading the nation. He was God's anointed. See, God will anoint you in private before he reveals it to everybody else publicly. And so you got to you got to you got to make sure that you are a patient individual who's, who's willing to wait on God to open that door of opportunity for you. Can I get a witness? So David, God prepared David. He, he put him in Saul's palace and began to observe what was happening there. And, and we see that when he came, the, the text says this um, in, in, in verse number 19, wherefore Saul sent messages unto Jesse and said, send me David, thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and with a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David, his son, unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him and he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass that when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took up a harp and played with his, band, with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Now watch this. Here God is taking his next anointed king into the presence of the king that he's taking his anointing away from. The king who he's taking his anointing away from did not realize, amen, that this was the future king. Had he realized that this was the future king, he probably would have slew David on the spot. But here God is putting this man into position. Here God is preparing his man to lead his nation. Here God is preparing him, amen, to do, amen, what he is assigned him to do. Now, now watch this. I, 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 do, do not miss it. The key to David's success in life is stated again in 1 Samuel 16 and 18. Pop up 1 Samuel 16 and 18 right quick. And let's read it one more time. 1 Samuel 16, verse number 18 says, Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning and playing and a mighty valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters. And they come to person. And this last sentence says what? And the Lord is with him. That's, that's the secret to David's success. The Lord was with him. Ever said the Lord was with David. Third thing I want you to make a note of in your notes, God guided David. He guided David, y'all. He guided David. We're going to see here, and I don't have time to get into all of it, but let me move forward. He guided David. Uh, the text says, let, let's go down um, to verse number uh, verse number 17 of, of the 17th chapter. God guided David. See, every place that David went, God was orchestrating the circumstances. And I need you to realize this. In your own individual life, when you learn to submit your will to the will of God, he'll guide your footsteps. I like what the psalmist, uh, the, the psalmist says, 
I think it's Psalm. It says, that, or maybe Proverbs, thy word, is a le- Psalm, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. God's word will produce the direction for our life. And so we see here that, that God is guiding David. The Bible says, and Jesse said unto David, his son, take now thy, for, for thy brethren an ephod of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp of thy brethren. Verse, it says, what, and carry these ten cheeses upon, unto the captain of their thousand and look how they, thy brethren fare and, and take their pledge. Now, what, what is he doing here? What, what, what the dad is doing now is sending David to go check on his brothers. Are y'all listening to me today? He's sending David to go check on his brothers. But in all of that, even though he's sending David to check on his brothers, God is sending David to put him into position. See, sometimes we're doing things in the natural and not realizing that God is positioning us for the supernatural. Can I get a witness? Here, the father concerned about his boys on the battlefield is now sending David to go check on them, bring them something to eat. How many of y'all know it's good for somebody to bring you something to eat? How many of y'all know it's good when somebody brings you a plate? Fix me one of them fish plates and bring it to me. I, I'm getting ready to do battle, but I need to get full before I go start to go to battle, okay? The text says uh, that now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Eli fighting with the Philistines. Look at this next verse. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines have put the battle in array army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the, of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. Now watch this. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the chaplain, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same word. Now watch this. He's coming out for 40 days. He came out threatening God's people. But this time, what's the difference? God's man heard him. Everybody say, David heard him. The Bible says, and David heard them. What did he hear? He heard the words from the Philistine giant. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they what? Fled from him and were so afraid. Now look at David's attitude, guys. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to divide Israel as he come up and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Watch this. And David spake to the men that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine? What did you just say? <laughs> now watch this. David left the sheep with the keeper of the sheep. And his mission was to bring some corn and homemade bread to his brothers and to get some special cheese to the captain and also to get news as to how his three brothers were doing. And at that time, Goliath came out. I got news for you. This was not by happenstance. Goliath came out saying what he was saying at the time that David arrived with the food. Everybody said that God brought this thing together. See, there are times in your life, guys, where you meet somebody and you think it's just happenstance, but you connect with that person. You meet them at the right time because God is doing something in your life. He's trying to get you to where he needs you to be, to use you like he wants to use you. Verse 23 says, the giant spoke according to the same words and David heard them. Everybody say he heard the words. See, right now, God's man is on the scene. But wait a minute, wasn't all these guys of the nation, uh, you know, servants of God? What made the difference in David's life? Well, the answer is David had filled his heart with the word of God. And that is the difference. David had filled his heart with the word of God. God guided him to the battlefield. God placed him where he needed to be. And the fourth thing is God encouraged David, y'all. He encouraged David. Everybody say, God encouraged David. Here he is, David, heart filled with the word of God. And while he was, think think about this, while he was keeping the sheep, can you picture David with his heart 
doing what Ephesians 5 and 19 says, when it says speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. David, amen, while out there tending the sheep, was allowing God's word to fill his heart. David had built himself up by singing words of the Holy Spirit to himself. Amen. How many of y'all know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God? Get back to verse number 27 and 28. Let's, let's look at this right quick. And the people answered him after this manner saying, so shall it be done to the man that killeth him. Verse 28, let's read. And Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. Now watch it. Here's what family members do. Now, guys, let me, let me say something right quick. Sometimes family members can be some of the toughest critics that you have in your life. Sometimes family members are one of, some, of the, some of the ones who, who won't walk in faith with you. Sometimes family members can hold you back if you allow them. The text says, Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride. And the naughtiness of your heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. You just come down here to look and observe. He didn't know David, though. See, he didn't, he didn't understand David was a man after God's own heart. He didn't understand that God had prepared David. He didn't understand that God is encouraging David. Look at the next verse. Let's read this. It says, and David said, what have I now done? Now, what this tells me is this wasn't the first time he had some alt with his brothers. He said, now, what have I done now? Have y'all had anybody in your family that, that, that keeps coming at you the wrong way? What have I now done? But I like what David said. Is there not a cause? Hey, it, 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 don't we have a word from God? Aren't we God's people? Is there not a cause? Look at the next verse. Let's read. And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. Next verse. Let's read. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul and he sent for him. Now watch this, guys. We're going to know that he goes before Saul. I'm, I'm skipping ahead. And Saul uh, looks at him and says, you're just a boy. You, you can't handle this giant who's out here. But, but if, if you're going to try it, put on my armor. And when he put his armor on David, David said, this don't fit. This, this ain't the lane that I can walk in. See, see, you can't let somebody else, amen, amen, put God's, you can't let somebody else put their anointing on you. In other words, if God didn't anoint you to do a certain thing, don't try to do a certain thing. Can I get a witness? He put his armor on him. David said, no, 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 I, I, I can't wear this. But let's keep reading. Get back with me. So God, God is encouraging David. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, here we go. Thou, thou not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for thou art but a youth and a man of war from his youth. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. Now, watch what David begins to do. Again, we, we said the words of our mouth and the content of our heart have to be in line with God's will and his word for our life. David began to speak, amen, what he knew was God's will. He began to speak from his experience in God, amen, moving in his life. He says, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Watch this. And I went after him, and I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this, watch what David began to speak in a covenant manner. This uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, he don't have covenant with God. He shall be as one of them. Now watch this. Here's the key thing I want you to miss. David is now speaking faith-filled words. And the words from David's mouth indicates what's in his heart. David keeping sheep over there was being prepared by God for this very day. He says, amen, this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Watch this next verse. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with you. David began to speak faith-filled words. David did not allow, amen, fear to encompass his heart. Now, guys, next week, we're going to see the end of this battle. Next week, we're going to see 
amen, what David spoke came into existence. We're going to see how we, amen, when we're praying and when we're saying those things that God wants us to say, that we can have what we say. We're going to understand that when we speak to the mountain and say, be thy removed and be thy cast into the sea and don't doubt in our heart, but we believe those things which we say are going to come to pass, we can have what we say. When we pray, we can have what we say. When we begin to speak faith-filled words. Come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.